الذين آمنوا أطيعوا الله وأطيعوا الرسول وأولي الأمر منكم أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه Uh, welcome all our viewers to our today's Islamica this Wednesday the 28th of December just three days short of the end of the year and we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept all our good deeds and also grant us indeed the best of the reward for all our striving and all our effort. Of course my name is Sheikh Salman Kibukanda. welcome you once again on this program the daily surgery that gives us the opportunity to address the day-to-day -day aspects of our deen right here from Islam Channel Studio, where we'll be addressing your questions. And it's always a great opportunity for us to exchange questions for the betterment of our understanding and also to make sure that whatever we do, we are on the right path. Yesterday we had some really very interesting questions, very informative and very developmental. And I hope, inshallah, there'll be a continuation of that, inshallah, from your questions today. So feel free. The number is on the screen. If you can, you can pick up the call, the phone, and make your question, put your question across. Or else, there is a number there you can send your question via WhatsApp, and you either approach you choose. Your question will be delivered to us and shall be a source of inspiration to every single one of our viewers. Indeed, we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we ask him to shower his mass and blessings upon his beloved messenger, Muhammad ibn Abdullah, his family, relatives, the wives, and the rest of those who followed in his footsteps until the day of judgment. Allahumma amin. Now, as usual, we always have a range of some questions left for, that, for us here. And uh, some of the questions that we have here, um, the first question is, is coming from, uh, I don't know whether it's a uh, sister or brother, he's saying, Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Allah has blessed us with a baby boy. I want to know about Aqiqa, and I am struggling financially. Now, regarding Aqiqa, as we all know, is just like any other institution of Islam, whether it is Hajj or Salah or Zakah or fasting or any good act, any act of worship is always underpinned by the sincerity of the intention but also the ability to follow it in accordance with the guidance of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now, according to the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu regarding aqiqah, it is recommended that it is given as a token gesture of thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the blessing of the child or a new baby, a new baby that is being born in the family. And one way of showing gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to pay the ransom. You free that child. You free that child. And uh, uh, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam uh, said that kullu mawludin marhunun bi'aqiqatihi that every single child is born with a liability and that liability falls upon the shoulders of the, of the parents. Okay? And it is recommended that he gives that aqiqa, you offer the aqiqa, a sacrificial animal, uh, either on the seventh day, if you can't on the 14th day, if you can't on, this, on the 21st day, those three 
um, you know, sequenced, sequenced accordingly. Meaning, if you can't do it on the seventh day and you get the money on the eighth day, it is recommended you wait until the 14th day. If you don't get it in the first 14 days and you get it around the, the 15th, 16th, 17th, it's recommended you wait for the 21st day. And beyond that, you can give it any time as to when you can and whenever the means becomes, uh, whenever it becomes conducive and possible for you. What is, it means is it, is it is disliked and actually discouraged to delay the aqiqa when it is due. Just as the Prophet said in a hadith relating or regarding to a loan, if you are indebted to someone, he said that okay, adjourning the payment of the debt when it becomes due and where there is the means to make it to, to pay the, for that to pay that debt, to pay off that debt, but choose to delay it. It is zulmun, it is a form of injustice. Okay? Therefore, and one of the most binding form of loan or indebtedness that requires to be paid off to clear that liability is the day that relates to obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why when the zakah becomes due, it is a duty it must be given. When someone has the means to perform hajj, you have no excuse. When the prayer is due, you have to make sure you pray on time. And therefore, the aqiqah is a right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is bound, by, is bound upon the family that has been granted the, this new baby child and becomes more binding if they are financially capable of giving that. Now, you may think sometimes that I am financially incapable, but you do have a stock of animals that you can, uh, you don't, in other words, you don't necessarily have to have cash in your bank or under your pillow or in your pocket. Because the aqiqa must be offered only and only in, uh, in terms of, um, um, in terms of, um, um, it must be offered in a form of an animal that is sacrificed. So it is not like zakat al-fitr, which according to some scholars, they would say that it is permissible to give it in any other form apart from cereal. Aqiqa must be given by me, must be fulfilled by means of slaughtering two lambs, either two sheep or two goats, or anything above that. What you cannot do is to scale down to something lower than the minimum mandatory uh, obliga obligation. So if it's a baby boy, it must be two lambs or two goats or two sheep or a goat and a sheep or anything bigger than that, okay? Among the, domest the, the domestic animal. So don't go hunting and, and catch a gazelle and they say that, well, because gazelle is halal, then I'm going to offer this. And even if you have a tamed gazelle, a tamed gazelle, and you have a flock of gazelle, right? About 30, 40 gazelles. Although they might be tamed, but they are not considered to be asaima. They are not considered to be among those who are domestic. They might be tamed, but naturally they live in the wild and they are halal. So it must be within those natural, naturally domestic animals 
the goat, the sheep, or the cow. And it is permissible as well that, I mean, if, if it was a girl, it has to be one lamb or one sheep. And the meat has got to be shared by with the members of the family, but also other people as well. Okay, so that is it. Now, your question is, I am struggling financially. Remember where I started, that if you cannot afford to pay it within the first day, then you wait until the second day. And if you can't in the second day, I mean, on the second weekend, uh, second uh, or the 14th day, 21st, then beyond that, you can give it whenever it becomes feasible. There is something that probably some of our viewers are listening to us. There are some customs in some African traditions where they have this habit of uh, delaying until they show that, alhamdulillah, they've got all the children they want in the family, then they do it in a traditional way, even if it involves sacrificing an animal. So that is haram. The duty becomes binding as soon as the child is born, on 7, 14, and 21st, and should be given accordingly. And when you offer the aqiqa, you must say, Allah mataqabban hadhil aqiqa an fulan, okay? And this aqiqa is given in the, in, as, uh, you know, on behalf of so-and-so, a child who has been born. Okay? So keep that in mind as well. Uh, and I think that is um, what we could say about the, the aqiqa. So sister, if you don't have the money, don't worry, you can do it later on, inshallah, whenever the circumstances become feasible. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. What I mean to non-Muslim children who have died, I have heard different accounts. Jazakallah khairan. Please. Make dua for my dad who passed away this year, inshallah. May Allah reward all Muslims. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept the good deeds of your dad and forgive his sins and grant him the al-jannatul firdaus al-ala as his last abode. Him and also the rest of the Muslim, other Muslim brothers and sisters whom Allah has taken. And those who are unwell, may Allah grant him the shifa. Now, regarding the children of uh, children, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that every single child is born with an innate, with an innate ability to understand what is right, know his creator, uh, <clears throat> and every person is born, every single person is born sinless. So, unlike other faiths, which believe that um, everyone is born with a sin. And uh, it's, it takes the belief in a certain prophet that then your sins will be erased. Islam does not hold it that way. Adam alayhi salatu was salam and Hawa alayhi salam, salatu was salam, our great great grandparents, they committed a sin when they ate from the tree from which Allah had denied them to. And uh, as soon as they realized that they had made a mistake, they turned to Allah and made one of those famous and very popular dua we always say. رَبَّنَا ظَلَمْنَا أَنفُسَنَا وَإِلَّمْ تَغْفِرْ لَنَا وَتَرْحَمْنَا لَنَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ This is the dua that Adam والسلام, and Hawa both made. And the tone, the text is, O oh Allah, O oh our Lord, we have wronged ourselves. So it's not a question that only women are born with a sin, as some people believe, and that's why in some cultures they think because women are meant to bear the children because of the sin they inherited from Hawa. And that is wrong, and that is wrong, and that is wrong. So any child that is born is born free from any sin. The person only starts to accumulate sins and to become responsible for their action the moment they hit the age of puberty. Therefore, 
any child who is born in any family, Muslim and non-Muslims, if Allah chooses to take them away, they will be raised on the day of judgment, sinless, and Allah will determine the desirable locations for them because they were yet to hit the age at which they would exercise responsible judgment to be held accountable for their actions. Now, the Islamic age of responsibility is different from the civic age, which varies from one country to another, but also in according to certain aspects of civil conduct from one another. You might find in a country that children of a certain age are not, for example, allowed to buy cigarettes, but they are allowed to engage in acts that are considered to be for mature people, so much that in some countries that they even allow to determine, for example, what kind of, you know, uh, orientation they have to be, what they want, to, you know, to be. In certain societies, they are allowed to do that. Islamically, a child is responsible before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the age of 14. Uh, at the age of puberty, which might come at the age of 14, sometimes 15, sometimes 16, there is always going to be that range. And if someone goes over the range, then there could be some bi biological, maybe some kind of, uh, uh, you know, hormonal, of, you know, under, you know, problems. Uh, sorry, I mean, uh, anatomical uh, impediments that may stop him from developing the typical signs of maturity. Therefore, to rest your heart, inshallah, and peace. A child who is born in a family, in a Muslim, of, a Muslim of family, and dies before the age of responsibility, they die with, without having committed a sin. Although the good deed they, they would do, Allah will reward them for that, and so will be their parents. As to the action that are, are considered to be sinful, they will not be held responsible, and uh, that is considered to be conduct oneself with a diminished responsibility and they will not be they can be you know reprimanded for that as we see in societies we have for example uh, you know uh, adolescent kind of you know uh, places where they take children who misbehave and they're held beyond you know under some kind some kind of controllable area even in Islam they can be reprimanded for their actions but they uh, as a means of training them and raise them to realize that um, they must be behaving responsibly. Uh, Sheikh, assalamu alaikum. Um, please, I would like to know if it is right to eat the food my Christian neighbors or colleagues at work shares during the Christmas and New Year. I don't know how many times this question has come. I don't know. And uh, please let me know if you never heard this answer. You never had this answer, I really appreciate. But if you've had it, there's no point of, uh, you know, bring the same question time and again, because I think it's moved, uh, it's been answered so many times. Now, the issue is, if the food that is being shared by a Christian family is part of the celebrities and the festivities, and is considered part of the religious, you know, the, the Christian religious activities, then, if it's part of the religious activities, it is better you explain that, look, I have you know, some uh, reservations about this because it might be part of the religious festivities that my religion holds me from participating from. Just as you could see, there are so many members of other faith whose, whose, whose faith and beliefs and values do not allow them, for example, to enter a mosque. I do have a, uh, a certain friend uh, you know, of mine of a certain faith that I'm not going to say, but will tell you that my faith, we are not allowed to enter a mosque. 
we're not allowed to enter because as part of the religious faith. So the point is when he says that to me, I can really appreciate it, I can understand it, and I will not take it you know, personal. The same thing that if you find that the food has been prepared as part of the festivities, then probably uh, you know, that, that will not be. It doesn't necessarily mean that whoever, every non-Muslims who invites you for a meal on that day will be celebrating, you know, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, East Christmas, which is a religious festival, and um, whose values and underpinning, you know, are, you know, you know, teachings may contradict the Islamic teachings. But we've got to be very careful again not to send the wrong message to be seen that we are insular, we are isolating, we are not engaging, we are not, we are intolerant. No, that is got to be very, that's completely different. And probably sometimes by being not able to explain and make yourself be understood, sometimes it can be, uh, it can cause the sense of, you know, misunderstanding, misconceptions that will make the Muslims to be labeled and stigmatized as intolerant tolerant or isolating and so on and so forth. And it doesn't only, the bug doesn't stop only with the Christmas, but there are so many other things. It could be the question of the halal food, and this does not have to be, for example, on Christmas. It may be that, uh, for example, the kind of food maybe that has been slaughtered, uh, maybe has not been slaughtered according to Islamic teachings. And uh, there are so many aspects. So it's better you explain these things, inshallah, so people can understand and find other ways of engaging as a community in a manner on those matters that bind us together as community while allowing space and time for others to celebrate their religious festivities outside the vacuum of uh, the, uh, the environment or the mood of suspicion. Salaam alaikum, Sheikh. My question is, I have had a British marriage annulled in February 2020. And now I have applied for a hula back, a hula back in August 2022. And I'm still waiting for the other party to respond to the Islamic Council of Europe. What is the procedure that I need to do? And also, I'm also allowed to speak. I would say, continue considering the Islamic Council of Europe. Consider, because you have engaged with the, Islamic, with the Islamic Council of Europe, please make sure you follow their guidelines. I'm not gonna comment on that question. I am desperately looking for marriage as it has been such a long, oh sorry, there was another question. And also, am I allowed to, to, uh, to speak to a potential partner before this? No, you're not allowed, once, you, once the divorce has not, been, has not become effective, uh, then you are not allowed to speak to anybody. There, are, there is a reason for the, for the, for the waiting period, even if, even if there is that, the waiting period, even if the divorce is um, irrevocable, is the last one, even if it's irrevocable, you're not planning to come back, enough is enough, whether it is whole, you don't want to come back, still you have to keep to wait that waiting period. The reason, the significance of that waiting period is still, it is that you are still tied to your, you know, what you call your ex. And if you are to die around that time, your ex would be entitled Islamically to inherit from your estates, just as if he was to die during that period, you'll be entitled to inherit from his estates, including multi-millions we might have, even if the divorce was irrevocable. So in a nutshell, you are not allowed to engage into any with any prospective husband or uh, until the either period is over. Uh, the other question is, um, uh, Sheikh, assalamu alaikum. I'm desperately looking for marriage as it has been such a long time since I was preparing in 2014. Uh, um, 
Yeah, yeah, that's fine. It doesn't matter how long it has been, inshallah. Just wait and follow the guidance of the Islamic Council of Europe. Um, now, Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh, wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Please, uh, I would like you to clarify for me, is it true that Allah does not punish more than once for the same sin? Why then they said, if you wrong your parent, your children as well will wrong you and you will be punished in dunya and akhirah. But probably if, if they say it that way, is I want you to understand one thing. For every single sin that you commit, that we commit in this world, there are aspects of sin that only have a vertical reaction, a, a vertical um, uh, in, um, you know, re relationship. For example, if I don't pray, that is in a breach of the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over me. And if I don't perform hajj, that is a breach of the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah commanded me to pray and to perform hajj. And it's Allah commanded me to give zakah. It's Allah commanded me to obey my parents. So if I obey my parents, you are fulfilling the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by answering his call, by, by disobeying them. Or by obeying them, you are building and fostering the bonds of love and, 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 and kindness and compassion between the family. Equally so, if you disobey them, you have disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is a punishment for that. But equally so, because it infringes on the rights of the parents, they might be upset and they might be forced to say a word that if you don't do this, I, you know, you will see it when your children grow. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, protect us from all that. And I want parents to always never, ever hasten to invoke Allah's wrath because your child has not been obedient to you because you never know in exercising and expressing your anger and your wrath, you never know your wish may become true. So the answer is because you are infringing on the right of other people, just as if someone, you stole someone's money, you are breaching the law of Allah that you should not steal, but because you are also impacting on the livelihood of other people. That's why they can put their hands up, say, oh Allah, this person you know, stole our money, or oh Allah, you know, we inflict on him this kind of calamity and predicament. And that's why the devil. So the punishment, Allah, in certain breaches, Allah has prescribed punishment. And those, even if they are inflicted on you, whether it is being taken to prison, that doesn't mean you have served the punishment. There is also a wider punishment. Yeah, <laughs> 